Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you listen to the podcast. This podcast is available on several platforms, Apple, Google, Amazon, and Spotify, plus many others as well. I'm Sherry Dodder. I am the occupational therapist and dysgraphia expert here at The Writing Glitch, hacking dysgraphia, no pencil required. Today, I am interviewing Heather Hodgkins-Chan. She is an occupational therapist up above us in that wonderful country of Canada, and she is a founder of On the Ball Therapy, and I am so excited to hear what she is doing up there. Heather, hello. Welcome to the podcast, and how are you, really? I am excited because this morning I am watching the final bit of snow in my backyard melt. And our little dogs are out there bathing in the sun. And I'm looking forward to getting outside today. It's finally warm here. We've had quite a winter. How are you doing down there? Okay. Would you like to know this little secret? Sure. We we only had a snow covering that you could still see grass here in Pennsylvania. And this week, it is going up to 90 degrees. (laughs) <laughs> in That's the middle wonderful. of April. <laughs> so <laughs> this is being recorded in April. I'm not quite sure. This is going to be released sometime like later in May. But yeah, it's been like, oh my gosh, how can this uh, the this weather ever stop being so crazy? Hardly any snow. We had more rain this year. Yeah. So uh, I love it that your dogs are out there licking up the last little bits of snow. That's adorable. So how am I really today? I'm feeling like the world is like coming at me with darts because I've got three or four things that I've got to complete today because I've got some really cool things happening over the next couple weeks. And while I'm on that subject, I just wanted to address that our sponsor today is Dotter Educational Consulting. And one of the things that Dotter Educational Consulting has coming up is, is a, um, oh gosh, do I, I am stuttering all over my words because I'm going, wait a minute, I am not going to be releasing this till afterwards, but okay. So take a breath, Sherry. At Dutter Educational Consulting, we help parents hack dysgraphia from the inside out. And I know that this is going to be coming, going live in just a little bit. And Heather and I've got something coming up that we want to share with you. We want to share a workshop, a masterclass that we're going to be doing in May. And that masterclass is going to be all about trauma. That's why I wanted to have Heather come on today so that she could help us understand trauma just a little bit. And then in May, go into it just a little bit deeper. I am so excited to have you on here today. Let's get into some understanding of what trauma is. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is something that I'm quite passionate about, Sherry. I know you are. I know you are. So tell us what trauma is what is it? How does it impact children? Tell Because trauma is such a big word. Break it down a little bit. <laughs> so trauma is something that happens to an individual 
that impacts their body and their brain, if I were to put it simply. And it can mean different things for different people. Some of us are very resilient and some of us really have a lot of difficulty processing trauma. And so it can look like a variety of different things. And so when we talk about trauma, it can be anything from being born into the world under a lot of stress. Perhaps the baby was rushed out by emergency C-section. The mom had a very difficult delivery. It could mean an early hospitalization for a child where they were in the NICU for a while. It could mean being in a car accident at a very young age. It could mean having sexual abuse early on, or it could mean um, living in, in difficult situations and perhaps maybe even moving from foster care to foster care. So all of these experiences can impact a child's nervous system. And so that's what I'm really passionate about. I'm passionate about educating the public and other occupational therapists about the impact that trauma can have on learning and development and the the role that trauma can have in developing our relationships. When you were talking there, one of the things that I kept thinking about is a lot of family dynamics can create trauma. I had trauma as a child when I was 10. I had a an uncle that was killed in an explosion and it's taken me a long time to, to get over that. And I think that has had some bearing on where I have, my path in my career have been taken. So It's very interesting that you talk about like the sexual abuse and the birth issues and all those things. There's so many things that people don't even think about when they think about trauma. Absolutely. And so all of us have experienced some sort of trauma and whether or not it's something small or large, it can really have an impact. And I'm relating to you as well through this. I really believe that my becoming an occupational therapist stemmed out of some of my own childhood trauma. So when I was 12 years old, my mother had ovarian cancer and it really had a huge impact on my life. I became the motherly figure for my sister who was two and a half years younger and we lived on a farm. And so my dad was very busy with the animals. And so I took on the role of doing all the house cleaning and making sure that we got on the bus on time and cooking. And so it really shaped who I was or who I am, I should say. And it also led me to learning more about occupational therapy and trauma can bring about good things. And it also can bring about bad things or more difficult things, I should say. And so in terms of learning and writing and reading and paying attention, trauma can have a significant impact. And that uh, impact can be a result of sensory processing challenges. And so children who have been through trauma and who have been impacted significantly, they startle easily. Often they're living in survival mode. They are trying to focus their little brains on work and it's very difficult for them. And so if they can't sit up still, sit still or uh, pay attention, writing and these activities that they learn or that they do in school become very difficult for them. You mentioned something and my brain went, okay, all, all OT on, on us. So 
if I start to say something here that confuses you, please back me up and email me and we can go into that a little bit more. But thinking back on the idea of the trauma, traumatic birth and thinking about disabilities with kids that are impacting their learning abilities. I know one of the things that is very connected there is the primitive reflexes. How much do the primitive reflex integration issues and trauma go together? They really go together. If a person goes off to war and they come back and they have PTSD, they're in a heightened state of arousal. Some of their primitive reflexes have been, have come back. And those reflexes are typically integrated into the nervous system. We only really access those reflexes when we need to. And so you will see in uh, adults and children who've been through trauma, you might see a strong startle reflex. You may see hypersensitivity to noise or hypersensitivity to light. And it significantly impacts their ability to function in many different areas of their life, which is what we're always talking about in occupational therapy. And so for children, that can include play activities. It could include focusing to get ready for school or even going to school and sitting and learning or interacting with other children. Often these issues are heightened in the school system because there are so many children in the classroom. And so a child has to integrate so much more sensory information than perhaps they may have to at home. They may feel safer at home. They may have a lot of anxiety when they're surrounded by other people. They're, they may not know how close to stand to someone or how allowed to speak, or they may not be able to even sit on their chair due to difficulties with proprioception or body awareness. And so many children have these reflexes activated again, or perhaps they were never actually integrated from birth like they should have been due to this early, yeah, they call them early, sorry, or they call them, they are called adverse childhood experiences. We've all had them, haven't we? We sure have. And so when I say that, we've all had them. So we've all gone through some form of trauma. We all have something that is going to have our body react. And so I, I notice that you keep coming back to that startle reflex. That startle reflex really does impact those kids a lot that are struggling with writing if somebody walks in the room, like I'm going back to my own childhood, if somebody would be in the room, I would be going to wherever they are. I would not be able to focus on my work. And before I was married, my last name started with a Y. So I was always put at the back of the room because our school liked to put everybody in alphabetical order. And I had trouble seeing the board to begin with. So all I wanted to do is go look at the next classroom because I grew up in the days of the one, one room, not one room schoolhouse, but one room classroom. Like all of the fifth grade was all in one big room with dividers, even though we had different sections. So I always got put in the back of the room and I'd be always going, what is that teacher doing over there? <laughs> and I and think- yeah, I think it had a lot to do with all that trauma that was going on at home with my uncle passing away. So 
you're making me think here. And it probably isn't where you were thinking that this uh, in this podcast would go. But, and I really want people to think about what is it that happened to you as a child that might be impacting not only where your career went, but some of the responses socially that you might have. I go back to the startle because if somebody walks into the kitchen and I didn't even hear them come down the steps, it's like I hit the ceiling with my head as I'm like startled with them as my kids just laugh at me because I can be jump scared very easily. And Sherry, it's never too late to work on some of this. No, it's not. No, it's not. Therapists, I actually really enjoy working with young adults as well and adults in that we're able to work on the body to help the brain relax. And then when the brain is relaxed, sometimes people are able to express themselves and talk about their issues that perhaps maybe would have been stored or locked away in there for many years. So share a little bit about what an in, that kind of an intervention might look like. I'll give you an example of a child who I just saw the other day. This child had extensive medical trauma for the first three years of his life. And for most of the session that we had together the other day, and I've known this child for some time now. So just a little side um just a little side note in that when you work with children who have been through trauma, it's very important to establish a strong relationship with them before you get into this work. And so if there are any occupational therapists out there working with children and they're listening and the child has trauma, just to know that developing that relationship is key. The child needs to feel safe before you start doing a whole bunch of interventions. And so I use sensory integration, air sensory integration in my therapy sessions. And so I use a lot of swings. And so this child really loves how his body feels when he's on the swing. And so most of the session I had the other day was having the child lie down on the swing on his stomach and then on his back. And we really just went with what his body needed at the time. He needed to move. And so he said, Heather, I need to move. So we went on the swing and we were swinging and he's probably spent a good 10 minutes on the swing. And after that, we stopped the swing. And so I'm always helping children slow their body down once they get regulated. And we did a little exercise called progressive muscle relaxation. So I got him to focus on squeezing the muscles of his feet. And gradually we worked his way, worked our way all the way up the body. And we did that a couple of times. And then all of a sudden he jumped off the swing and he started drawing for me. And he started drawing this picture of all of the planets. And he said, my planet is stuck outside my planet is not in the same system. It's stuck outside. I feel like I'm just watching everything from outside. And so the foster mother was very, very surprised that he was able to express himself so much. She later commented that this child had never really expressed himself so well. And so my education for families is that if we work on the body, we're able to really work on regulation at the nervous system level. We're really able to tap into the brain and some of those stored feelings that come out. 
And so in Canada, I'm not sure what it's like down in the States there, Sherry, but in Canada, occupational therapists can practice psychotherapy in Canada. And so that has been a part of my journey over the past year. I have a mentor who I meet with regularly and we go over our, my children. And so I'm able to use all of the body work that I've learned over the many years that I've been doing this in OT, I'm able to then use psychotherapy to help the child process the trauma. So it's really quite profound work. I find it very rewarding. It can at times be mentally exhausting, but I just, it's, it feels so, it just feels so wonderful to help these children process their trauma. You have me thinking, <laughs> you have me thinking. <laughs> so you're also, you talked about a mentor, but I also believe that you have told me in the past before we hit record that you are also a mentor to others. Can you share what that picture looks like? Yes, this is something that I love doing. So I've been an OT for 24 years and I've had some amazing mentors. Kim Barthel, who is an occupational therapist in British Columbia. I have studied with Dr. Teresa May Benson out of the out of Boston when she was working there. And uh, I just, I'm passionate about learning. And as I've learned and integrated this information and also been one of the co-founders of On the Ball Pediatric Physio and Occupational Therapy, I've taken on the role of mentoring the therapists on our team. And this is something I'm passionate about. We get together, we review cases together, and we really look at all of the different levels of, or I shouldn't say levels, I should say all of the different areas that can impact the child's ability to self-regulate. So many of the children we see have anxiety or ADHD or autism, including those with trauma. And so we really enjoy getting together to go through these cases and we share all of the different work that we've learned about through our own courses over the years. And so I've mentored several OTs over the past seven years, and I'm now moving into doing more mentoring for other occupational therapists in Canada and in the US. And I had someone ask about mentoring the other day from the UK. So this is something I'm pretty excited about. That is amazing. So what does a mentor-mentee relationship look like? I know there we have some guidelines here in the States, but what does that look like in Canada? A mentor is really someone that you can sit down with and talk about where your goals for learning are. I've, because I've done so many courses and I've traveled so much to different courses, it's taken me on a path and it's, it's helped me to, as in my mind, maybe what courses should be taken in what order. And then also it's about sharing what we know, right? It's about learning from each other. And really I do enjoy one-on-one mentoring but I also am able to provide mentoring to small groups of two or three therapists. And that would be done primarily online if the person is not within the Ottawa, Ontario region. So you could take me on as a mentor mentee and we could talk about trauma in various ways and how that has maybe impacted my career. So I'm just re- reiterating that. And I say my, but I'm thinking about all the occupational therapists out there. I know that 
trauma-informed care is very much a buzzword in a lot of the areas because we not we don't just have the kids that have it. We have the adults that have had trauma issues. Even after a stroke, trauma impacts not just patient, but the caregivers as well. Death and dying, and there's trauma that go along with that with the families as well. So we're talking from birth to death is when you can impact trauma. So if you are looking for somebody to mentor you and you are a therapist or a teacher, because I'm sure that Heather could adapt things for you as a teacher as well. Maybe even a parent coming, not sure what how to deal with their child about mm-hmm. something. Those different areas are things that we can help as therapists. And Heather is a great person to develop that mentor-mentor T relationship to help you. So thank you for doing what you're doing, Heather. Oh, wow. Thank you for what you're doing. This is wonderful. The And if people want to connect with me and they're looking for a therapist who's trained in air sensory integration or um, well-known in the community for trauma work and they need therapy for their child, I can always help them find a therapist. I'm fairly well-connected with pediatric occupational therapists all over the world due to the wonderful social media of Facebook. <laughs> Get to know a lot of people through Facebook. And so it's I can always help that way as well if you're looking for therapy as opposed to education about occupational therapy. So thank you. Thank you. So how do they get a hold of you? They can email me at heatherhodginschan.com. An intervention that I like to do with my students. And many of the students that I see and probably you see as well, really have a difficult time crossing midline. And one of the reflex integration exercises that we can do with the kids is having them lay on their back with their arms out at their side and their feet apart. And then they touch their toes. So their left hand is going to touch the toes on their right foot and then vice versa. They call that the star exercise. So if, so you're laying down on the floor, arms apart out at your sides, your feet are apart, and then you're raising them up. And one of the things that kids have trouble is keeping that leg straight, the arms straight, getting them to touch their toe and their fingertips up with their full extension of their arm and leg. I get a lot of kids with sensory issues want to be very close to their body. But if we do the star exercise we can get them understanding a little bit more about get having their two sides of the brain work together. So I don't know. Do you do the star? Yes, I do the star. I call it the cross crawl in lying in a supine position or lying on their back. I do a lot of little exercises like the windmill where I get them to touch the opposite hand to foot in standing position. We do a lot of brain gym exercises, which help to um, hook up the brain prior to learning. And many teachers that are listening might be familiar with brain gym. I also work on just fun little games where they have to be swinging and crossing midline, or perhaps working on 
attaching a clothespin to part of the swing, the rope of the swing. And so I really try and we all do all occupational therapists are for the most part, very fun people. And so we're always trying to make it very fun for kids. And so most kids really enjoy the sessions. And so some of the activities look like it's just play, but we're actually working on bilateral integration. We're working on body and space awareness or proprioception. And so a lot of these activities in therapy Parents or teachers may wonder, what is the benefit of doing this? But we're actually helping to mature the nervous system so that the child can focus better in class. So one of the things that I like to emphasize when I'm educating a teacher is that we have targeted interventions like these that we're talking about that we have the whole class do right before they sit down to do a writing activity. So it could be that we do it standing up and it looks more like a windmill where we're doing that, the star activity, instead of laying down, we have them stand next to their desk. The whole class does that for 30 seconds. And then we start the academic activity. And I'm finding in my action research that I'm doing that kids are much more responsive to their writing skills and they are refusing less, which is a big deal because we are working on those lower parts of their brain that have that, those automatic responses. So we're helping them regulate the that sensory motor and memory mechanism that's going on in their lower brain areas. That's wonderful. And I think that's a really great approach so that it doesn't signal out children that are having difficulty. And most children need to move. Most children, they really, they benefit from movement. It keeps them alert, wakes them up and gets them ready for learning. Another great thing that I love using is the metronome, just a standard metronome that you would have used as a child when you took piano lessons. Um, you can also get Sorry, I interrupted you, but they have them on the phone now. Yes, they do have them on the phone. And so I get children to play clapping games with me and tapping games where they have to tap their body to the beat and it helps prepare them for activities that we're going to do. Beautiful. I could go on and on about different interventions. You keep making me think of different ones that I do as you're talking, but we really need to pause there at this point in time. And I'm sure that if you reached out to Heather, she can give you many more interventions that you could use with your students. Before we close, Heather, again, tell us how they can get a hold of you. Uh, you can reach me at heatherhodginschan at gmail.com. All right. And I'm Sherry Dodderer. I am at sherrydodderer.com and thewritingglitch.com. And remember that we post our episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. And if you want to do me a favor and hit subscribe, that way, these podcast hosts like Spotify and Apple know that you are enjoying this podcast. And then send me an email at info at .com and let me know what is your key takeaway from the episode that you've just heard. And remember, you were put here for such a time as this. And, and the podcast post-production is done by Sam C. Productions. Heather, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Ed.
It was fun. Wonderful. Everybody, I'll see you or hear from you in about two weeks.